The scripture reading for today is Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. And I don't think we had a chance to say hi, or I, I haven't been um, worshiping at least um, in person for the past uh, few months, and I'm so glad to be back, and I see many familiar faces, but also um, quite a few new faces. So can we turn and just say at least hi, uh, and after the service, we would love to, uh, yeah, Deacon Sam Chang's going like, yeah. Um, we will say hi and get to know one another. I would love to get to know you. I'm one of the pastors here, and I had a privilege of uh, taking three months sabbatical uh, for me to rest, also reflect, and also do some research. So my youngest daughter, uh, who is eight, Karis, she was the happiest uh, girl in the family uh, when she heard that I'm um, taking sabbatical. She didn't know what sabbatical was, but she knew that. Uh, I, I told her, you know what, basically, I'm not going to have a meeting at night. Uh, I'll be able to play with you more, and I'll be reading books with you more. So she was happy. And uh, yeah, we, it was a very blessed time as a family. Uh, I also got to visit, quote-unquote, visit different churches. On Sundays, I would worship in the morning with my wife and just visiting different churches across Canada and the U.S., different denominations and God just revealed so many things that uh, my wife and I, we got to learn how the Lord is at work in different churches across the nations, and also I got to miss New Hope, uh, how blessed I am to be part of this community and to serve you as a pastor. Uh, I'm especially grateful for those of you who prayed for me. There were moments when I was discouraged in my research project, and I'll be reminded of Deacon Sam Cheng's prayer uh, when uh, I just began my sabbatical, just before I went on sabbatical, uh, praying with the deacons and just laying hands on me virtually, praying that this time of sabbatical uh, will be a time of renewal and refocus. And I knew people were praying for me. I would run, run across Pastor Daniel. Uh, I was at church here and there to pick up some books. And he would remind me, Pastor Charles, we are praying for you. Deacon Sally will text me once in a while and just, you know, how are you doing, checking in with me, and remind me, I'm praying for you. And I kind of sneaked in when I couldn't resist to participate in Sunday worship, and I would hear Deacon Senior, James Senior, during congregational prayer, praying for me. And I, 
And it just really spurred me on to focus so that I won't be lazy during my sabbatical because I could really do nothing and be lazy. But uh, it was a, a time carved out for me to be renewed spiritually, physically, as a family, and also to focus on some research project that God has entrusted me with. So I'm very, very thankful for all of you who prayed for me, who have welcomed me back, and I get to preach um, for the next few weeks, and it is a, it is a blessing. It comes with a, a sense of burden, too, to be honest, uh, to handle God's Word. It, it's not easy. Uh, I spent hours uh, studying and struggling with the text, and today's passage especially you know, it's, I'm still working on it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling with, uh, with the passage because it's not just communicating the knowledge, but the Word of God needs to change me first, right? Um, and so I get to um, uh, experience this um, both burden and blessing. Uh, and it's more blessing for me to have this opportunity to share God's Word with you this, this morning. So... I'm very grateful that I get to preach this morning and for the next few weeks. I love the theme, Right Side Up Kingdom, that we've been going through from the Gospel of Luke. We live in this broken world where things are upside down. I mean, we can look around and the I mean, most, most recent social issues like racism, all the political upheavals, um, other social issues, gender issues, people hating one another, not able to accept one another, not living according to God's design, shows how far we have gone astray from God's good and original intention and design. And kingdom of God that Jesus proclaimed and brought about in his first coming is about bringing those distortions back to right, putting things to right the way that God designs. The good news is that God is restoring us, his creation, our brokenness, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. God brings his kingdom. And we pray as disciples of Jesus, Oh Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But this right side up kingdom comes to us in many surprising and unexpected Ways, even in some scandalous ways. So last week, Pastor Daniel preached from Luke chapter 6, verse 20 and following about the blessing and the woe. And we expect, you know, we look around and, you know, this guy, rich, healthy, got a couple of cottages up north, has many vacations. He is blessed, jobless, divorced, separated, sick, got COVID. Whoa, that's, that's no good. And Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor. What? For yours is the kingdom of God. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. But, but woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. So he, he shake things up. 
I mean, that's not the kind of message that people were expecting to hear. And then we come to today's passage. For those of you who grew up at our church or other churches, I'm sure you've heard this. Verse 27, Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. And you go, who? Love who? I thought we love our families, friends, colleagues. Wait, Jesus, what did you just say? Love who? Love your enemies? Enemies, by definition, are those who hate us and are hostile to us. Those who don't deserve our love. And, and they probably don't even want our love. Do you have anyone in your life who just doesn't like you? And you don't know why exactly, but he or she just doesn't like you. That person just ignores you or disses you. I have some people in my life, they just don't like me. I don't know why. I, th- I think I'm pretty likable, but they don't like me. They may have a reason. They may not have a reason. I don't know. My immediate and fleshly response is, I don't like you either, man. Whatever. But Jesus says, wait, 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 love, love that person. Maybe you have someone this morning um, in your life who just um, not just irritates you, but really makes you angry. Whenever that person comes to your mind or comes in the conversation, you're just going to, it's irksome. Because... He or she insulted you, gossiped about you. Maybe it could be your friend who backstabbed you, someone who hurt you, even maybe cursed you, abused you, stole things from you, and you just feel the hate whenever you think about that person. And Jesus says, yeah, love that guy. Love that person. And we say, what? Seriously? Are you kidding? So Jesus, from today's passage, shows us how and why we are to love our enemies. First, how are we to love our enemies? So verse 27, second half of verse 27 and 28, gives us a picture of what loving our enemies look like. Jesus says, Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Jesus says, okay, this is how you love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Do you have anybody in your life who just hates you? Subtly or not so subtly, and you know you feel it, you even feel it through Zoom. Now, instead of insulting or hating him or her back, do good. Love is not a feeling, it's an action, it's doing good. 
Buy him lunch. Give her a gift card. If he needs help at work, help him. If she needs help in her studies, help her. And Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Do you have anybody in your life who ever cursed you directly or indirectly? And Jesus says, bless him. Bless her. I actually heard a story recently from one of our leaders at New Hope. He was driving on the road, came to a stop sign, and this guy next to him rolled on the window and started to yell at my friend, our, one of our leaders, and then just spewing this racist slur. You and he's like, what? I don't, I don't even know the guy. Like, I, I was driving okay. And guess what he did? He rolled out the window. You, my... You know, he didn't do that. He did not curse back. He was cursed, but guess what he did? He rolled out the window, and with a smile on his face, I love you, man. I bless you. I'm not making this up. He's actually sitting here. I didn't ask for permission. I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say his name. You can come and ask me after the service. He's here with us this morning. I'm not lying. This did happen. And Jesus said, do likewise. Do likewise. And Jesus said, pray for those who abuse you or insult you. Has anyone abused you or insulted you? And you just want to just, just get it back. Maybe you're not able to do good or bless Jesus knows our weakness, and he says, you know what? You can still pray. Bring that person and the situation to God. And I know many of you actually who have gone through life, enough of life, living with sinners and saints in this world, actually prayed. I know your struggles, not just a week or a month, but some of you for years. And it's been haunting you, hounding at you, but you persevered in prayers and Godspeed and good for you. God bless you. I'm so proud of you. And Jesus says, enemy Israel in this world. I mean, Psalm is filled with praying about enemies. If you read Psalms, enemies of God, enemies of David, enemies of psalmist. But the psalmist will bring the enemy to God. And let God deal with him or her. So loving enemy is not a a feeling or even becoming the best friend. It's an action. It's an act of a will. It's doing good, blessing, praying. It's an action. And then you come to verse 29, which gives more detailed cases as to how we are to act out our love in specific situations. And Jesus gives Two cases. First case, in verse 29, to one who strikes you or beats you on the cheek, offer the other also. I mean, you've heard that before if you grew up at church. It's not talking about a fist fight or boxing context in Olympics. If someone hits you, you avoid and then you hit him back. That's how you are to fight. Jesus is not talking about a boxing match here. He's talking about an insult in the context of work or or in missions. 
You're being beaten or insulted by someone who is superior above you, someone who doesn't like Jesus and what you're saying about Jesus. It may be your boss slapping verbally and insulting you at workplace. It's not talking about, okay, so good Christians are nice people, be a doormat. Jesus is not saying that. Just let people step all over you. No, Jesus is not saying that. He's not encouraging us to stay in an abusive relationship either. You should get out of abusive relationship. Jesus is talking about a third way of dealing with insult that we experience in life. Usually, it's either fight or flight. If someone punches you or insults you, you, you punch back or insult back, or you just, just receive it and you just live with it reluctantly without any resistance. Offering the other cheek is teaching us a third way. A third way that is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of true strength. Someone who has a control over herself and has love that is so powerful that he rejects absolutely every conceivable form of retaliation like Jesus. It's a sign of true strength to receive a blow and choose not to revenge. It's standing up to fight evil with good. Hate with love. If your enemy goes low, you go high. The second case, from one who takes away your cloak or outer garment or coat, do not withhold your tunic or shirt either. Again, it's not talking about giving in to injustice or irresponsibility. It's not talking about wimping out. Again, this is a sign of not a weakness, but strength. Not withholding shirt to the one who's taking your garment or your coat is about being extravagantly generous. And that extravagance in generosity is just off the chart. Look at verse 30. Give to anyone who begs from you. From one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. You see a beggar, give him money. Don't give him five cents. Don't give him loony. Give him 20 bucks. Give him 100 bucks. Especially give to someone who can never give you anything back. Again, this is a, this is a lifestyle that is off the chart. It's a scandalous kind of generosity that you may hear in the news maybe once in a while if someone shows that kind of a generosity so we know that it's not just an exertion of the willpower yeah you know what someone hits me and because i believe in jesus no it's not that it's something that's natural it's from the heart power to love our enemies with action yes but it's not a mechanical action. It's an action that flows out of an extravagant, generous, extravagantly generous heart. I mean, can you imagine our country living this out? Well, 
Forget about the country for now. Can you imagine our church living this out? Can you imagine me, you, and us living by this kingdom or the right side up kingdom ethics out of the heart? I mean, you don't have to go to heaven to experience it. You experience heaven now. That's heaven. What Jesus is describing is what heaven is like. There may be enemies, but you love your enemies. There will be no hatred in heaven, only love. Scandalous, extravagant, generous love. And Jesus says, you know what? I came from heaven to earth to bring God's kingdom, God's heaven, here and now. For those who listen who submit under the lordship of Jesus, who's willing to hear him. That's what Jesus says here. But I say to you, hear. Are you listening really? I mean, are you really listening to me? It's not about coming to church. It's not about listening to my message. Are you really listening to Jesus? Again, if it's me speaking to you, you may say, Pastor, you may be fired up after sabbatical. But whatever. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the kind of enemy that I've experienced. But you know what? I'm not saying this. Jesus is saying this. Jesus, the wise one. Jesus who knows you intimately. Jesus who even knows what you had to go through. Jesus who knows your enemy. Jesus who knows how life works. Jesus who loves you, who cares for you. So we better listen. We want to listen. So in the subsequent verses, in the following verses, verses 31 and 36, Jesus reasons with us. So we want to listen to our wise Lord who loves us. We want to listen to him. So if you're willing to listen, let's listen on. The question that frames the second part of the message is, so why do we love our enemies? Why do we love our enemies? First, because that's what we wish, I wish, others would do to me and for me. Look at verse 31. And as you wish or desire or want that others would do to you, do so to them. That's a golden rule. Jesus in Matthew's gospel says, do unto others as you would have others do to you. For this is the summary of law and the prophets. This is the most foundational principle of how relationship should work and works, ought to work, according to God's design. Again, you may have an enemy in your life who just, they, they just don't like you. But you know what? You may be an enemy to someone with or without your knowing. And you want that person to be merciful to you. You want your husband to be merciful to you. Because sometimes spouses become enemies. You know, Siblings, parents, children, oh, and in-laws. Yeah, yeah, in-laws. 
church members, leaders. Do you want to have other people give you some benefit of the doubt? Do the same. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Do you want some mercy from others? Do the same. Again, this is a general relationship principle. Jesus uses the word anthropos, which is human beings in general, not just enemies. This is how we are to build relationship. Do unto others as you would have done to you. Second, why do we love our enemies? Because we're not sinners who simply abide by the norm of reciprocity. Let me, let me expound this. A lot of us, you know, we would fall and we would fail and we say, oh, we're just sinners. We, that's kind of the, the lingo that we use even at church. Oh, you know what? We, 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 we sin because we I kind of love that God. We're just sinners, right? Jesus in this passage, no, 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 no. Your core identity is not sinner. If you read the New Testament, Paul's epistles, Paul never calls the church, you sinners. I mean, James, yeah, to waken people up, but their main identity, our main identity is saint. We're sons and daughters of God. And... Whereas the world runs by the norm of reciprocity, give and take, tit for tat, we're not supposed to dance with the music of norm of reciprocity. So what is a norm of reciprocity? Again, it's a practice of give and take. Will you give me a $100 gift for my birthday? Let me give you a gift. And it's not going to be $10. It's not going to be a $1,000 gift. I'm going to give you around the $100 gift. Now, let's go out for lunch. Next week. Why? Well, you bought me lunch last week. Let me invite you to my home for dinner at the end of the month. Why? Because I'm expecting to go to your house the following month. The rules, the norms of reciprocity. And that's how normally most of our relationships run. Workplace, even at church, families, just the friendship. Now, that norm of reciprocity, being reciprocal, in a negative form is tit for tat. You insult me, <laughs> don't expect me to bless you, I'm going to insult you back. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You disrespect me, don't expect to be respected. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That's how this world works. That's the norm of this broken world. Even mafias do that. A lot of religious people do that. I do that, you do that, we do that in this world. But Jesus today is challenging all of us. Are you listening? I say to you who hear, if you're willing to listen, I challenge you to go beyond the norm of reciprocity. Go beyond give and take. Go beyond tit for tat. Look at verse 32 and 36. If you love those who love you, what benefit? In Greek, it's charis. What grace? Is that to you? Even sinners who love, uh, sinners, even sinners love those who love them. And if, if you do good to those who do good to you, what grace or benefit, charis, is that to you? Even sinners do the same. But if you lend to those 
from whom you expect to receive, what caress or credit or benefit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. The norm of reciprocity is what sinners do. But we are called to go beyond the norm of reciprocity. Because we're not just sinners, we're saints. We're sons and daughters of the king who is extravagantly generous. Some of you know the story of Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. When Abraham Lincoln was running for president of the United States, there was a man who ran all around the country just bad-mouthing Lincoln. And sometimes he would even talk about Lincoln's looks, saying, you don't want that tall, skinny, ignorant man like this as the president of the U.S. I mean, we kind of see that political foolishness even now in some parts of the world. He went on and on, just bashed Lincoln. And then Lincoln became the elected president. He was elected as a president. And after Lincoln became the president, he had to choose cabinet members, including Secretary of War. He looked across the nation and decided to choose a man named Mr. Stanton. When Abraham Lincoln stood around his advisors and mentioned about his decision, all his advisors were saying, Mr. Lincoln, are you crazy? Are you a fool? Don't you know what Mr. Stanton has been saying about you? You know what he has done and what he's tried to do to you? Have you not read all those derogatory statements that he made about you? And Lincoln stood before his advisors and said, Oh yes, I know about it. I read about it. I've heard it myself. But after looking over this country, I find that he is the best man for the job. So Mr. Stanton did become the Secretary of War. And a few months later, Lincoln was assassinated. And if you go to Washington, you will discover that one of the greatest words or statements ever made by about Abraham Lincoln was made about by Mr. Stanton. Mr. Stanton made a beautiful statement concerning the character and the stature of Abraham Lincoln. So if Lincoln lived with the norm of reciprocity, Mr. Stanton has no place, no chance. But Lincoln went beyond the norm of reciprocity. He lived out this command of Jesus for the sake of his country. If we love Jesus, if we genuinely pray, O oh Lord, hallowed be your name. Your right side up kingdom come. Your awesome, amazing will that is sometimes so scandalous and so difficult to accept, but your will be done on earth, on earth, not just when I, when I, when I die and go to heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, then we can be like Lincoln. It's not impossible. We are to go beyond the norm of reciprocity. Now, let me, I have to land. I got the five-minute sign. 
So this is the most important part of it. If you're sleeping, listen, this is the most important one. So listen. Why do we need to go beyond the norm of reciprocity? This brings, the, brings me to the final and the central reason why we are to love our enemy. We love even our enemies because when we were God's enemies, God loved us. Look at verse 35 and 6. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, practicing extravagant generosity. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For, listen, for the Most High God is kind, is generous, extravagantly gracious, not just to the grateful, but to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So why do we love our enemies? Why do we go beyond the norms of reciprocity, even for our enemies? Because that's exactly what God has done for me. That's exactly what God has done for you. We have received that kind of love from our God. That is the singular and central enough of a motivation and reason to struggle with this difficult command to love our enemies. In fact, unless we are so moved by the love of God who loved us when we were yet sinners, when we were his enemies, unless we know that and experience that extravagant grace and mercy and love of God, we have no chance of loving our enemies. It's just not possible. God did not love us because we were lovable. God loved us even when you and I were not lovable. When we weren't even thinking about him. We weren't even grateful. We weren't seeking him. And he just loved us without expecting anything from us. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus died on the cross, or before he died, he was struck on one cheek. He did not retaliate. He let the other cheek be struck. When soldiers took away his robe, he gave his shirt, he got stripped naked. And when he died on the cross, he did not curse those who were sneering and jeering at him, but he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. That's a scandalous extravagant, off-the-chart kindness and mercy of God. And the question this morning is, do you know that scandalous, extravagant love, grace, mercy of God? 
if you really do know, then you will be asking, what? What did you say? Are you kidding me? God loved me like that. God loves me today like that. And as ones who have been loved by God, we are called to do the same. To be honest, I look at my own life. Again, I struggled with this passage this week. I have failed miserably to live according to what Jesus said. You look at church history, even church history in Canada, you, you hear about the news about the indigenous people, how the church has treated the children. I mean, we say it's disgusting. There are a lot of disgusting things the church has committed. If you look at the history, we did not live according to God's word, according to what Jesus showed us and told us. So do we just listen and move on? Okay, that was a, okay, he came back from sabbatical. Okay, well, yeah, love your enemy. No. Please don't do that. Let's not give up church or living compromise. This is a high calling of God for you, for me. I'm not there yet. We're not there yet as a church. But imagine if we live this out, just this command in your life, in your family, in this church, we will indeed shine in Toronto, in Canada, like lamp, like light on a hill, and glorify God. Let's pray. Um, we have a song called Mercy. And I, I want, you don't need to sing this song. If you know and you want to follow along, you can do that. But uh, during this prayer time, I want to give some space. I've been thinking of uh, a few groups of people. Number one, if you're sitting here today or watching online and you realize, you know what? You know what, Pastor? I, I really never knew that God loves me this much in that way. In fact, I, I, want, I want to know more. I want to experience that. If that's, if that's you, I would love to connect with you after the service. If you're watching online, just shoot me an email. I would love to connect with you. May the love of Christ become real to you. And if it's a little bit of an experience, you've got a glimpse of his love, I would love to have a follow-up conversation with you after the service today. And some of you, you may be sitting here this morning, and this was a hard message for you because your enemy is real. And I know some of you have been struggling with a few or one individual in your life because that person just hurt you so bad. It's the last thing that you want to do to bless him or her. And I want to invite you to just bring your hurt, bring your struggles in prayer. For God knows you, God hears you, and the very gesture that you're having right now, in obedience to God's word, God delights in you. And for those of us who may not have the struggle, you, you, you're living out your sainthood. God bless you. Why don't you pray for others, pray for the church, that we will live this out, that we will be a people who live out the right side up kingdom marked by such an extravagant kindness 
and mercy, giving God the glory. So I'm going to give you three minutes, and I'm going to wrap up. But during those three minutes, Pastor David and the praise team will sing Mercy by Matt Redman. And may the song minister to us and help us to experience and remember the mercy of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that not only you know us personally and individually, you know where our church is, in our hearts, in our actions, in our limitations, in our failings, even in our sins, in our stubbornness, and yet you extravagantly and you stubbornly, you love us. And may we yet again be stunned, amazed by your extravagant mercy, kindness, and grace. And for those of us who know and experience your mercy, may we extend the same mercy and grace to those around us, in our families, to our spouses, to our in-laws, to our children, to our parents, to our friends, to the members of this church, even to strangers, even to our enemies. And all these things that we are asking, Father, we cannot do in our own strength. We will miserably fail again, but because we have the DNA of the Father who loved his enemy and sent his one and only Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because we are sons of the Most High, daughters of the Most High, we thank you that we have the empowering grace from you that enables us to carry this command out supernaturally. So help us, O oh God, to do that, to live it out personally and as a community for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.